Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10x points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple. 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I'm Matt. And today we are answering your listener questions. Listener questions, man. That's what we're going to talk about on this episode. For instance, we're going to talk about condos. We're going to talk about auto insurance and three more that I'm not going to talk about because we'll get to those in a second. Yeah. Can't give all the goods away up front. Yeah, that's right. And the first question we're going to tackle in just a minute is about buying a condo. And that is so different than buying a house. So yeah, parsing the particulars in that case should be a lot of fun. Uh, we'll get to that in just a minute. But Matt, before we get to these listener questions, we have to mention that Costco recently, just about a month ago, opened their first store in China <laughs> and it was pandemonium. And I find that so fascinating because I myself am a huge Costco fan. Yeah, man, this has been out there for a little bit. So maybe you've heard about it, but the pictures that they showed from that grand opening at Costco... I guess it's not surprising. Like you see video or you see pictures in particular in China of, of them kind of loading up on their subways or their trains. And the folks who work there in the station are literally just putting all their weight onto the last person that's trying to fit through the door so the door can close and they can, you know, kind of jam in there. So so picture that, but in a Costco, right? <laughs> Which <laughs> so is like my worst nightmare. I have been on the subway in Shanghai. Oh my gosh. And it does get a little hectic. It gets a little crazy. 
they are actually well designed. And, oh yeah, yeah. And, and the directions are fantastic around the station. But, but they are not afraid of getting close. No, right? personal space <laughs> is is treated much differently over there. And you can tell at this Costco opening, things went so crazy. Apparently, there were incredibly long lines just to try to use the bathroom and insane traffic jams outside the Costco. They had to close it early the picture especially of folks at the rotisserie chicken counter <laughs> yes <laughs> that did it for me yeah reaching for the chickens that are no longer there but yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah barren it. shelves <laughs> it was it was really interesting my favorite quote from the whole thing was basically like you said they had to shut down early and they sent on a text to costco members or costco customers and the text read to provide you with a better shopping experience costco will suspend business this afternoon Please don't come. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. It just totally cracked me up. Yeah, I got that out of hand. Yes. Yeah. But I mean, I love, though, how well, you know, some of these American businesses are doing overseas. I think it's great to see an international embrace of a company that I'll say it, that, that we love so much. Even though I'm not a member, I love what Costco does. But my true allegiance does lie with Aldi. Sometimes in our Facebook group, there are Aldi people and Costco people. And, and occasionally they battle it out, but they do it kindly. I would it's like say. West Side Story. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I wanted to mention really quickly about big companies, big American companies doing business overseas. We talk a lot about investing in a total stock market index fund. And we're usually talking about the American stock market. And there are certainly other ways to invest your money. You can diversify in a ton of different manners. But when you see companies like Costco, companies like Coca-Cola, companies like McDonald's, just doing insane amounts of business overseas, being well-received in countries around the world, it just goes to show you that when you're investing in the total American stock market, you're not really just doing business in the United States. You're investing in companies whose profits are coming in a major way from dozens and dozens of countries around the world. And so I I find that to be a comforting fact and to see Costco being this well-received in Shanghai. Yeah, it made my heart glad. And it reminded me that this investing strategy is a good one for a lot of reasons. Yeah, that's right, man. I mean, if John Bogle is down with that method of investing, I'm down with it as well. And so let's go ahead and introduce our beer for this episode. Uh, We are drinking Second Fiddle by Fiddlehead Brewing Company. And this is a double IPA. Is this one also out of Vermont? It is. This one's out of Shelburne, Vermont. Nice. Yeah, this is another beer donated to the show by Cameron here in Atlanta. Man, thanks so much for this one. And I'm looking forward to sharing our thoughts on this beer uh, at the end of this episode. Yeah, thanks, Cameron. Can't wait to try this one out. All right, Matt, let's get to the subject at hand. We're answering listener questions on this episode. And first, to anybody out there who wants to submit a question to be on the show, we'll just follow the easy directions on our website. Go to howtomoney.com slash ask. You will find the simple steps to submit your voice question to be considered for the show. And the first question, like we mentioned, is about buying a condo. Hey, guys, it's Ike from New York. Love the show. I'm curious what you think about condos. As a young person, it seems like My options are either renting, where I'm kind of throwing money away, or uh, owning a home and or a piece of land, which is very capital intensive and there's all these maintenance costs that can come up, etc. Condos seem like a great middle ground. You get to work towards owning something, but on the other hand, you don't have to own the entire building and land, so a lot of the maintenance costs and etc. fall uh, not on you. Is that true? Is that, do you think it's a good investment? I'm hearing conflicting things from friends and you know people joking about it being like an old person option, but not really good for young people. Curious what you think. And then real quick, would love to hear you guys review some non-alcoholic beers sometime. Thank you. Ike, thanks so much for the question, man. And on the note of non 
alcoholic beers, you know, Joel, I have not actually had one that I thought was really great, but I am not opposed to trying one. How about you? Yeah, no, I'm not opposed to it either. The question is, is there enough flavor to make it worth it? Because some of my favorite beers are incredibly low alcoholic beers, like two or 3%. Like there's some really good beers that That have... That are low ABV. Yeah, that have tons of flavor, but I've just never tasted something that was non-alcoholic that brought enough flavor to make it worthwhile. But Ike, we'll continue the search. And if we find something, man, we'll totally feature it on the show. You know, I've been wanting to try the Heineken 0.0. Oh, yeah, that's, have you seen the ads for that? Yeah, they keep popping up when we watch our soccer matches. They kind of pop up on the screens there. It's a, I guess they're a big advertiser when it comes to soccer. But I have not had one of those either. And I'm up for trying that, though. I'll give it a shot. Yeah, all right. <laughs> all right. So let's get to Ike's question. We're talking about condos. And Ike, one of the things you mentioned in your question was that you were you feel like you're throwing away your money when you're renting. And we talked about that actually all the way back in episode 15. And we don't actually think that you are throwing your money away when you're renting. There are a lot of great reasons to own, but thinking of your home as an investment is not necessarily one of them. So we would just encourage you to go back and listen to that episode. And I think it'll make you feel better about renting even while you're considering this condo purchase. And so while we're on the note of uh, thinking of your condo as an investment, you know, we're thinking about value. Right. Generally speaking, detached single family homes, they're going to appreciate more. However, it depends on your specific market. I'm thinking of in San Francisco because the condos there appreciate like crazy and they've been appreciating at a faster rate than single family homes. That being said, the increased value of your condo or of your house should not be the only deciding factor. Yeah, and the value of condos can actually fluctuate a lot more than the value of single-family homes. And part of that has to do with the fact that condos can be more difficult to sell. And part of that is the fact that you can't control who your neighbors are. They might not take care of the building in the same way you do. And also when they put their unit up for sale, if you're planning on selling at the same time, well, you have this direct competition that doesn't play itself out in the same way when you're selling a single family home. So we'll get to the reasons I think that we think condos can be a good purchase, but, but these are things to keep in mind before you decide that it is a great idea and, and make the purchase. And then Ike, you also mentioned maintenance costs, right? And while it's true that with a condo, you don't have to think about the maintenance perhaps, of the building, you are still going to be responsible for it. And that is because you pay for it via your HOA fees, which you don't often have a say in. Oftentimes that really just depends on the board. And so before you buy a condo, make sure to research the financial health of the condo complex. Uh, Your HOA fees could, they could skyrocket. There could be a special assessment depending on the condition of the building. Just remember that these are expenses that you are going to experience, right? That's just part of the cost of admission. But it is true that it's not something that you're going to have to worry about. It's not going to be on your mind. Well, that's true. It's not going to be staring you in the face like it is if you own a single family home. But depending on how the board is run, depending on the way the homeowners association has thought about long-term maintenance needs for the building that you're going to live in, those special assessments could be thousands of dollars. And that could be something that you hadn't planned for at all. You just didn't realize was coming and hits you out of the blue. When you buy the condo, the HOA fees could be pretty minimal at the very beginning. Yeah. I mean, just say maybe like 200 bucks, right? Yeah. But if they haven't planned very well and they don't want to do a special assessment on everyone and make them pay thousands of dollars, well, they could quickly bump that up to 325 a month. And it just quickly changes the dynamics of whether that condo feels like a good deal to you or not. My mother-in-law bought a condo just on the other side of the park from us here in Atlanta that she wanted to stay in when she comes to visit. She got a great deal on it and it's been a great place to live. But the condo unit is almost 100 years old. And so they're really having to do a lot of maintenance right now. And so the debates in the board meetings about 
potential special assessments, well, they've gotten a little heated. And it's... Well, I bet those are fun. <laughs> yeah. She loves going to those. <laughs> and But it's just one of those things that you have to consider because the building needs to be maintained in order to keep the value up. But that means everybody's got to pay in order to make that happen. So it, it, it does get a little tricky at times. Yep. Yeah, that's right, Joel. And so I, these are sort of the, the money considerations that you're taking into account. And while that is great for you to consider, there are a couple of other things that we do want you to also consider. And one of those being how long you're going to plan to be in that location. If you don't think you're going to be there that long, we would suggest for you to keep renting. You want to keep renting unless you're probably going to be there for at least five years for a single family home and you know even longer for a condo. Yeah. If you're going to buy a condo, you need to be able to envision yourself there for, for longer than five years. In all likelihood, the, the minimum I would say is seven years. And a good thing to shoot for is, is 10 years. The transaction costs involved in buying and selling real estate are just are huge. And condos fluctuate in value so much more than single family homes. You could buy a condo and the market could be down for quite a few years. And if you find yourself needing to get out of that condo, you could wind up losing money if you're only there a few years. So planning to stay for a longer period of time just really solidifies the fact that you're not going to lose a ton of money on your way out. And don't forget to consider the lifestyle factors as well. Obviously, with a condo, they're going to typically be in better locations. You've got the higher density. And that can allow you to be closer to work and just other... Honestly, just other fun stuff, right? When you're living in a city in particular. There's amenities oftentimes with condos like pools, gyms, different things like that. They also tend to be more social. Joel, I could picture you in a condo in your earlier <laughs> years for sure. Yeah. My sister just moved into an apartment complex that feels like a condo building. It's so nice. And they have this sweet gym, this amazing pool and awesome common space. I could totally see myself there. And I feel like I'd have to ditch my awesome kids just because they cramp my <laughs> condo living style. My, but uh, And I'm not willing to do that. So I'm sticking to the single family home life right now. That being said, I'm sure there are lots of happy families who have kids, maybe who even have lots of kids and they're in a condo. But I do think for a lot of people, when it comes to finding a home for their growing family, a condo may not always fit the bill. And something else to consider too is if you're traveling a lot, man, a condo is going to be a fantastic option for you. And a lot of that does have to do with the fact that you do not have to take care of the exterior of the home. You don't have a yard. You don't have branches that are falling on your house. There's just so much less to think about when you're only having to worry about the interior of your home versus the, you know, the whole lot. Yeah, Matt. And you mentioned researching the financial health of the condo complex. We'll put a link in the show notes. There was this great article about how you do that. We're not going to get into all of that right now, but I feel like that'll be really helpful to Ike as he looks to buy a condo in a complex that is doing really well financially, where he's not going to be blindsided by an expensive special assessment. And by the way, Ike, condos are not just for old people, man. In fact, I don't even really associate condos with old people. I, I think it's funny that your friends do, but I feel like condos... Yeah, forget those friends. <laughs> yeah, you don't <laughs> need them anyway. No, I'm just kidding. But Or if instead of calling it a condo, call it a flat. Like that's what they do in the UK. And I'll be honest, anytime I hear that, I think it sounds super cool. So. It does. Yeah, it sounds way cooler. <laughs> sounds way cooler. But yeah, condos definitely are not just for old people. They're for all sorts of different kinds of people. It just really depends on how long you're going to stay there, how much you care about the amenities and the location that you're going to live in. Cool. So that's our first question. Uh, we're going to talk some about insurance, but two very different types of insurance right after the break. So we've mentioned on the show how we've got a Dominican trip coming up. We're going to celebrate, Joel, you and Emily. You're both turning 40 this year, so we're doing it up right. And a lot of listeners, they might have trips of their own planned 
And sometimes those vacations can get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? Yeah, that's right. Why let it sit empty when it can be earning extra income on your behalf? It's a smart and practical thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you have some extra space in your home. Maybe you have a whole house to host. Or maybe you're going on vacation and your home is just going to be sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. Yeah, I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you've got two options. You can either let it just sit there empty, or you can do some optimizing and make some money off of it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home, it might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Jill, I think there are a lot of folks who start small businesses and they're surprised at the amount of behind the scenes, the admin type work that they're not all that thrilled about. Getting your books together with, uh, with some final figures so that you can file your corporate taxes, for instance. That's something we've been in the middle of. But it can really gum up the gears, potentially keeping you from doing the work you love. If this is you, you should know these three numbers. 37,000. 25 and 1. That's right. Yeah, 37,000, that's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. And one, because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all of your KPIs, key performance indicators, in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow, all in one place. There's a lot of power in the simplification of having all that information in one place. Helps you make better decisions. That's right. And right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash howtomoney. That's netsuite.com slash howtomoney to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash howtomoney. A big part of being a responsible adult is taking care of the things you care about. For instance, my bike that I ride in to work on. I keep the tires pumped. I keep the chain greased. Gone are the days of leaving your bike out in the rain for weeks at a time, like a kid. (laughs) Simply put, the things futures are built around are the things worth protecting. And making an estate plan now means gaining security of your assets and peace of mind for you and your loved ones. With Trust and Will, you can create and manage a custom estate plan starting at just $199. Go to trustandwill.com slash howtomoney for 10% off plus free document shipping. As the primary breadwinner for our family, I've taken the steps to ensure that Kate and the kids that they're going to be taken care of if something terrible happens to me. Each will or trust is state-specific and customized to your needs. Their simple step-by-step process guides you from start to finish with ease. So get the peace of mind you deserve by creating your estate plan with Trust and Will. Secure your assets and protect your loved ones with Trust and Will. Get 10% off plus free shipping of your estate plan documents by visiting trustandwill.com slash howtomoney. That's 10% off and free shipping at trustandwill.com slash howtomoney. And now a word from the show sponsors at Betterment. No matter how hard of a worker you are, you probably like to kick back, relax, and just chill every now and then. But if you're an investor, that's the last thing you want your money to be doing. You want it to be out there working hard and kicking butt. That's exactly what the Betterment Automated Investment and Savings app can help it do. Betterment's automated technology gives you advanced tools that are built to help maximize returns. We're talking tools like diversified, expert-built portfolios of low-cost ETFs, 
Keeping those expense ratios low is key to seeing your investments compound over the years and decades. A high-yield cash account where your money can earn 11 times the national average. Listeners know that they need to have an emergency fund set aside for those completely unforeseen expenses. A high-yield cash account is the perfect place to park that money in automated investing technology like automated rebalancing. That way, if certain industries are, say, growing like crazy, your portfolio, it stays on track. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk, performance not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. All right, Matt, we're back and we're talking about insurance. We got two different questions back to back about two totally different kinds of insurance. Hello, Matt and Joel. My name is Amber and I live in Denver, Colorado. I'm calling to ask if you can talk about the different auto insurance options within your plan. I have collision and comprehensive, but then there are all these other options that I'm not sure whether I need. These include bodily injury, liability, property damage liability, medical payments, and uninsured and underinsured motorist coverage. I didn't have collision for a while, but then I was hit by someone who had to pay out of pocket for everything for months until he could reimburse me, so I added it back. But the cost of insurance is so high that I'm not sure what to do with it. Thanks for your help. Amber, great question. And yes, auto insurance can be really expensive. And we'll get into all the specific things that you need to consider when you're buying an insurance policy in just a second. But I want to mention at the outset that shopping around for your insurance with different providers can result in vastly differing rates. So it might make sense for you if you've been with the same provider for a while to do some shopping because you can likely cut your rate by hundreds and hundreds of dollars just by switching to a new company. So just make sure that's on your radar. And Matt, let's kind of get into the meat of the question now too. Yeah. So Amber, it sounds like you have most of the types of coverage that are offered, right? You've got comprehensive, you got collision. Liability is required. Almost all states require that. But everything else is optional depending on the state that you live in. Except for that weird state of New Hampshire. You don't have to have car insurance at all in New Hampshire. How weird is that? Super weird. That completely threw me. I wonder if there's an actual good reason why they don't require it. Maybe we should look into it further one of these days. I'm sure some listener will reach out to us and and let us know. Yeah, please do. They're really good about that. Let's go ahead and kick this whole thing off and talk about liability insurance. If you are at fault in an accident, liability will cover the other driver's car. That's what's considered property damage liability. Angel liability would also cover uh, their medical bills. And that's the bodily injury part that you mentioned. Again, your state has minimum requirements, but we would recommend that you have enough liability coverage to cover your total value of assets. Yeah, you don't want to get in an accident and not have enough coverage. That essentially leaves you and your assets exposed in the case of an accident that did a lot more damage than you're actually covered for. Yeah, that's basically being underinsured, which we're going to get to in a little bit. But these are all very insurancy words. Asset exposure, vulnerability. <laughs> but it's true. The whole reason we have insurance is to be able to protect our assets. And we want to make sure that the insurance that we have in place does cover us in case we're at fault. Yeah. So comprehensive coverage, it covers your car if it's stolen or if there's damage caused by storms or even if your car is damaged from hitting something like a deer. You've been there, Matt. Yeah. Yeah. That's me, unfortunately. Yeah. Comprehensive coverage is not required, but it's often recommended. It could be and likely is required though by your lender if you still have a car note on that vehicle. So let's say your vehicle is paid off though, but your driveway sits underneath a massive hundred year old oak tree. Hey, that's also me. (laughs) Yeah. we, we, We have a lot of giant trees in our part of town. Matt. And there are these precarious limbs that are essentially the size of a normal tree that just 
hang sideways, right? Defying gravity. And I'm just waiting for the day for that thing to smash my car. Yeah. So, so in that case, it makes sense probably to have comprehensive coverage because there's a higher likelihood of something happening that would necessitate you needing it. And then there's also collision coverage. And this is also optional unless you don't own your car outright, right? If you still have payments on it, your lender is going to require you to have likely comprehensive and collision. But collision coverage covers the cost of repairs or replacement to your car if you're in an accident that is your fault. That coverage acts as that safety net. However, you might be asking yourself, when should I consider dropping collision coverage? A good rule of thumb is that when your premiums exceed 10% of the value of your car and you can self-insure. So for example, if the value of your car is $4,000 and collision and comprehensive premiums are over $400 annually, and you have the money set aside to be able to buy a new car for yourself, that can be a good time to consider dropping collision and comprehensive coverage. Yeah. If you've got the money essentially to replace that car with another used car that's really similar, that's when you probably don't need it. But if you don't have the cash in the bank, it makes sense to maintain full coverage on that car. All right, let's talk about uninsured, underinsured motorist protection. It's just like it sounds. It provides coverage to you if you're hit by a driver who doesn't have enough insurance or any insurance to cover damages to your car or medical expenses that you incur in the case of an accident. And you might think that most other folks that you're driving on the road with, well, they probably have insurance, right? You might think they're responsible human beings. Yeah, they're decent, right? They might be decent, but they're not <laughs> responsible, okay? Because they probably don't have insurance. There's a huge swath of the American public that's driving around without car insurance. In, in Florida, for instance, the estimates are that 26% of drivers on the road don't have any sort of car insurance. So that means that if you get into an accident with that person, you're going to need this uninsured motorist coverage. Yeah, it's also worth mentioning that hit and runs, that also falls in this category. So if you happen to be an offender bender and you do the responsible thing and pull over to exchange information and you just see that car speed off really quick, you're sorry out of luck if you don't have uninsured motorist coverage because that's when that coverage would kick in. I've been there, Matt. Fortunately, have you really? Yeah, yeah someone that. sped off after hitting me. But fortunately, it was just a little bit of damage and there wasn't even enough to necessitate a claim to insurance under my uninsured motorist protection. But it's a bummer, dude. That feels terrible. Yeah, it sucks. And so Amber, you know, the different types of coverage, how much coverage you should have, and then even what to set your deductibles at, that all depends on your comfort level with risk and the amount of cash that you have on hand. And ideally, that cash would be in your emergency fund sitting there in a high interest earning savings account. Yeah, so there's a lot to think about. You don't want to cheap out when it comes to your auto insurance. You want to make sure that you have the right coverage for your needs. That in the case of an accident, you have the proper insurance to be able to pay for the damages. The biggest way to save money is not to skimp on coverage, but it's truly to shop with different insurance providers. So I know it's tough. I know auto insurance can be really, really expensive. But your coverage amounts are not the place where you want to dial back and increase your savings. And by the way, we have an article on the site. We'll link to it in the show notes that covers a lot of easy ways that you can save money on car insurance. And so, yeah, check that out too. All right, Joel, we have another insurance question, but this one is about life insurance. Hey guys, my name is David. I'm from Kansas. I had a question about whole life insurance. Um, in my younger and less educated years, I signed up for a whole life insurance plan thinking it was a pretty sweet deal with the cash value and all that. Needless to say, I found your podcast and started doing some research on my own and realized it was not a sweet deal. So I started putting about 150 bucks a month into that around two years ago, and now I'm looking at uh, canceling that. I didn't know with it having some cash value, obviously the cash value was low right now because a lot of those 
early months go towards commissions. So I didn't know if it would be better to just cancel ASAP or to wait a little bit and let the cash value grow a bit. I think it's best to just go ahead and cancel it as soon as I can, but I wasn't sure if there was a good line of reasoning with that. Just let me know. Thanks. David, great question. And which of us hasn't done something dumb in our younger days? So don't beat yourself up. But now that you know that whole life isn't the best decision and costs you a whole heck of a lot more than you should be paying for life insurance, it makes a whole lot of sense, in my opinion, to cut your losses and start moving on down the road to a better, less expensive life insurance product. Yeah, David, our answer here is going to be pretty straightforward, but I know that doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to be easy. I'll I'll touch on that in a second. But we would recommend for you to go ahead and bite that bullet, cancel that policy as soon as possible, and get whatever cash value you have out of it. The problem would be if you continued within that whole life policy, you'd be committing what's considered the sunk cost fallacy. What's done is done. And if you were to continue, you would just be throwing good money in after bad. It's tempting to want to continue to do that, right? Because in an instance like this, you've paid money towards that. And so you literally do feel invested. And emotionally, you want to continue. You either want to see it made right, or you feel that you can't leave it. Because emotionally, you do feel tied to this account. But again, the best thing for you to do at this point is to go ahead and cancel that policy. Yeah, $150 a month, that's a good chunk of change that David is essentially paying for this whole life policy that isn't in his best interest. Whole life insurance is just not a sweet deal. In almost every situation, term life insurance makes the most sense. So we have a new guide on our site about shopping for term life insurance, the factors that you need to consider and how to go about shopping for it. We'll link to that in the show notes, but we think that's a good place to start. And basically the biggest factor for why term is so much better than whole life insurance is because you're insuring for a set amount of time, which decreases the costs massively. Instead of 150 bucks a month, you might be looking at something closer to a 25 or $30 a month premium because you're buying insurance for a 15, 20 or 30 year span instead of insuring the entire rest of your life. So it's a huge money saver and also gives you that peace of mind that you need to know that you're insured during pretty much the rest of your working lifetime. Yeah. So David, it sounded like you already were planning to do that. Hopefully our answer here will give you that additional motivation, that additional encouragement to go ahead and cancel that policy. We've got a couple more questions. Uh, We've got one about a debt settlement company and we have a listener's frugal or cheap that I'm excited to tackle both after the break. So we've mentioned on the show how we've got a Dominican trip coming up. We're going to celebrate, Joel, you and Emily. You're both turning 40 this year, so we're doing it up right. And a lot of listeners, they might have trips of their own planned. And sometimes those vacations can get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? Yeah, that's right. Why let it sit empty when it can be earning extra income on your behalf? It's a smart and practical thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you have some extra space in your home. Maybe you have a whole house to host. Or maybe you're going on vacation and your home is just going to be sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. Yeah, I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you've got two options. You can either let it just sit there empty, or you can do some optimizing and make some money off of it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home, it might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I got my first life insurance policy almost a decade ago. And hey, I'm still kicking it. I very much hope that trend continues, Matt. And since then, I've actually added coverage via Policy Genius. And if you out there, you're listening and you're worried that this is going to be a massive pain getting life insurance, 
Think again. Policy Genius made it an incredibly easy process. If you have loved ones who rely on you and your income, life insurance is a crucial part of your financial plan. Not only does it provide a financial backstop for your family, it also gives you peace of mind too. Plus, the longer you wait, the more rates go up because life insurance rates typically increase as you get older. So if this is something you've been putting off, it's time to make it happen now. That's right. Yeah. And even if you already have a life insurance policy through work, it may not offer enough protection for your family's needs. And it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Hey folks, it's Matt. I've got to tell you about something new I've been trying this year. I've been drinking a little Health Aid kombucha every day, and I feel amazing. It comes in so many delicious flavors, but my favorites so far are Pink Lady Apple and Ginger Lemon. So what exactly is Health Aid kombucha? Well, it is a fermented, bubbly probiotic tea that's good for your gut. It's blended with real fruit juice, and it's super thirst-quenching, a little sweet and a little tangy, and very refreshing. I'm sure you've heard about the importance of gut health and supporting uh, your overall health. It's something I've read up on a good bit over the past year, which is why I've made Health Aid Kombucha a part of my everyday routine. Literally every afternoon, I'll have some. It's super easy, and it's affordable, too. My favorite grocery store, Aldi, they carry it as well. If you want to give it a try and see how great you can feel, look for the brown bottle with an anchor and make Health Aid Kombucha your go-to for a healthier, happier you. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000-plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Cachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Cachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Cachava. Just go to Cachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money all right matt our next question is a little bit alliterative it's from pete in pittsburgh oh i like that hey matt hey joel pete from pittsburgh here i've been listening to your podcast for a while now and you're doing a great job. Thanks for all the advice. You guys make my drive to work a little more bearable. I have a question about your debt settlement episode. Long story short, I'm in a lot of debt, about $50,000 between personal loans and credit cards, and I tried consolidation loans and the debt snowball, but I just wasn't succeeding. A few months ago, I learned about a debt settlement, and I thought it sounded great, so I signed up for it. Then I listened to your episode about how terrible it really was, and how I shouldn't have done it, but now it's too late. I'm already working with them, and I've settled one debt already. Two more are on a payment plan, and three more are in negotiations. My question is, is there anything I can do now to get out of this situation, or am I stuck until they settle all of the debts I have under contract with them? 
Thanks for your time. And I look forward to any advice you can give me. Well, Pete, first thing, I am glad that Joel and I, that we can brighten up your commute. Man, when I'm driving by myself, that is the number one thing that I like to do. Listen to podcasts. But let's dive into debt settlement companies. Man, the reason that we don't like those companies is because oftentimes you get scammed. Uh, You'll end up paying money upfront, which is an illegal practice, by the way. Yeah. And then in addition to that, nothing actually happens to the actual debt that you have, whether that be credit card or personal loans, like you mentioned, Pete. And so depending on your contract or the agreement that you signed, there's a good chance that money upfront is probably gone. We would encourage you to read that fine print, make sure you know your contract well so that you know what's at stake. Yeah. Knowing the terms is really important. And Pete, it, it sounds like you might actually be with one of those incredibly rare, decent debt settlement firms. I can't be sure about that from your question, but I would encourage you to look for online reviews about this company. See what other people have to say, especially if they've taken advantage of people. You'll be able to find people writing about that online, in particular at sites like ripoffreport.com. Also, contact your state attorney general. They often have information about debt settlement companies that can be really helpful as you're doing your research. Basically, you want to get the skinny on the company that you've hired to do this work on your behalf, and you want to know what complaints are out there so that you can know how to move forward in this relationship. Yeah, a lot of that comes down to your individual circumstances. It depends on the specific company who you're with. So Joel, let's go ahead and assume though that this debt settlement company, that they are like most of the companies that are out there and that they're not going to fulfill what they said that they're going to do. Big promises, little follow through. Yeah. If you've given them access to your bank account, then let your bank know that you're canceling your agreement with that debt settlement company first before you let the debt settlement company know. And if you believe that that debt settlement company will continue to debit your account, what you're going to want to do in that case is close that account and open another. You want to make sure that your funds are safe. Once you've done all of that, then you can contact that settlement company and cancel that agreement. The biggest thing, if you're dealing with a shady debt settlement company, you don't want them to have access to your account. And if you've given them access and you don't trust them, well, you might need to shift that money into another account so that they don't have ready access to your funds. And trying to cancel your agreement, well, that that can be really difficult depending on the terms that you've agreed to. And in the worst case scenario, you might need a lawyer to look through some of those terms and see if he or she can help you find a way out of that agreement. And that's why ultimately we say that people's best bet is to negotiate directly with creditors and not hire a company to do that on their behalf. You often get better terms by cutting the middleman out altogether. Yeah. And Pete, in in order to negotiate directly with the creditors, you've got to have a plan. And if that's something that you're having a tough time coming to on your own, we would completely recommend for you to check out nfcc.org. They will be able to provide you with some affordable or free credit counseling. And they can most definitely help you to put together a payment plan so that you can eliminate this debt from your life without the help of a debt settlement company. Yeah. So Pete, best of luck in shedding this debt from your life and shedding this debt settlement company from your life. Make sure to always tell the truth in your dealings with them and and to stick up for yourself. Do your homework and don't let them push you around. And Joel, so our last question for this episode is essentially a frugal or cheap question from a listener out in California. Let's hear it. Hello, my name's Hannah Laurie. I'm from Los Angeles. And I have a question. It's sort of like a frugal versus cheap question. Um, I not too long ago bought an electric vehicle and sometimes when I'm at work or at home because there's free charging places not far away, like about four blocks away or two blocks away, I'll go out of my way to the free charging stations to charge my car for free. 
And so what I'm wondering is, is the effort to walk like that extra three or four blocks to get a free charge cheap or (laughs) frugal? Is it better to just, because there's one that costs money, like right in front of my job, and then, you know, I could charge at home. But I feel like maybe I'm being cheap because it's really not that much money. It's like anywhere between two and a half to six dollars, depending on how much charge I need. Anyway, I would love to hear what you guys think. Bye. Oh, man, Matt, what a great question. I think this is our first listener submitted frugal or cheap question. Yeah, I think so, man. So, Hanalori, this is a really fun one to tackle. It is something, honestly, when I first got my Nissan Leaf that I struggled with quite a bit. It was a little different, a little bit different scenario than yours. But for me, there was a quick charge station uh, about a mile from where I worked. So it was a little bit further out of the way. And sometimes the wait for that quick charging station could be 30, 40 minutes. And I just wasted a lot of time to save a couple of bucks and get a free charge. And it took me a few weeks to realize that charging at my house just made so much more sense. It was pretty inexpensive. So for me, I was being cheap by spending so much time waiting in line to get a free charge when it just fit into my life so much better to just plug in at home. But I feel like your situation is a little bit different. So Matt, let's uh, let's take this on. What do you think? Is Hanalori being frugal or cheap in this instance? Well, first, I want to direct our listeners to episode 43. That was when we actually did the episode called Frugal versus Cheap or, or Frugal or Are You Frugal or Are You Cheap, right? And in that episode, we were able to identify a few things to consider when you're looking at these different purchases. So one of them is the quality of the product that you're purchasing. Let's ask that question. Is the quality of the free charge worse than the quality of the, the charge that you're going to get at work or at home? Probably not, right? It's, it's the same electricity. I'm guessing even the charger might even be the same. So if that's the case, there's no difference in quality. And then something else is the social implications. Your coworkers, they might think it's weird that you're walking up to the office or... But as long as you're not damaging those relationships and imposing sort of your frugalness on them... Yeah, like making someone else drive you to work because you're trying to get that free charge and park super far away. Yeah, totally. That would 100% be a case where you're frugalness or your cheapness in that case is being imposed onto others. So that leaves the final factor to consider, right? Like the last filter. And that one's based on time. Really, it's the only consideration left. Some would say that you are wasting time having to walk three or four blocks. But I see that as a benefit. You're able to get the blood flowing before and after work. You can even see it as a small but simple and easy way to get some exercise. And it doesn't just have to be a physical break, but this can be a break for you mentally. I know for me personally, it's always helpful for me to have a period of time, say after work or after having a conversation where my brain can essentially unpack some of the conversations I've had that day. So for me, having that space mentally is incredibly important. So essentially, instead of seeing that three to four blocks as wasted time, you can see that as a time to decompress after work or you know, once you're going into work, that's a time where you can kind of get into that working mindset while at the same time saving a few bucks. Yeah, it's this awesome little buffer zone where you have those few minutes built in, that transition time each and every day on your way in and out of work. So yeah, I like that. I like considering that time as meaningful and important and assigning some value to it as opposed to thinking that it's just wasted. So yeah, I think ultimately this is a frugal decision. If there's a place a few blocks away from where you work where you can charge for free, Well, I would do the same thing. I would park a few blocks away. I would make that walk every day and I would save that money. This could easily end up being a good 15, maybe 20 bucks a week for you back in your life by taking advantage of the free charging that's just around the corner. So yeah, I really like the idea. Yeah, I'm totally with you, man. I think this is a huge frugal win. I would be doing this every single day. 
Hannah Laurie, you didn't mention how long it would take you to actually get one of those spots. This is also assuming that you're not having to like circle the block 20 times waiting for someone to leave where a spot would open up, right? Ugh, like I did all those years ago. <laughs> it was such a waste of my time. I would never do that again. But it, yeah, if the spots are readily available, I say make it happen. Yeah, and that is frugal. Sweet. All right, Matt. We had an awesome beer on the show today. Second Fiddle by Fiddlehead Brewing Company. Listener Cameron donated this one to the show. What did you think of this one, man? Well, man, I liked it. I'll say that. And I'll start with the name, Fiddlehead. It makes me think of ferns, right? Fiddlehead ferns are green, which makes me think of organic matter, which makes me think of hops, like just green flavors, hops, all this kind of flowing together. This was a big old double IPA. The way I was tasting it, man, I didn't pick up on a lot of fruit flavors. I feel like it was predominantly just sort of like malts and hops, more like a classic IPA, but with this being a double, it definitely had a lot more flavor than you would get out of a a traditional single IPA. But I really dug this one, man. I'm really glad we got to share it. What were your thoughts? Yeah, man, I thought this beer was super aromatic and I felt like that really drew me in. When you draw the nose in, it kind of makes your mouth water in anticipation of the flavor, which is always a good sign. I thought the the flavors were a little more subdued than the heady topper flavors from last week, but really the beers don't compare to each other. They're both fantastic in their own right. And this beer, although it didn't have quite the epic flavor notes that I thought heady topper presented, it was still jam packed with flavor and it was its own unique offering. I really, really enjoyed this beer and I felt like it was totally in that line of Vermont IPAs. They really do stand out and they've kind of got this flavor profile of their own. This one was really, really good. Big thanks to listener Cameron for donating this one to the show. We really appreciate it, man. Yeah. And if you happen to be in Vermont like Cameron was, make sure that you look up Fiddlehead Brewing Company if you're in the area. Man, I'm definitely going to add this one to my list to check out. Man, in Vermont, you can literally just put a blindfold over your eyes, walk in one direction, you're bound to hit a brewery within five or six minutes. Mm, What a wonderful place to live. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I haven't even visited there, man. That's on my to visit list for sure. All right. That was a really fun listener question episode. We'll tackle five more in two weeks. And if you have a question for us that you'd like to submit to me on the show, well, it's super simple to do so. Just go to howtomoney.com slash ask. The easy steps for doing so are listed right there. Yeah. And if you have enjoyed and have found this podcast or this episode helpful, we would love for you to leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you listen. So Joel, until next time. Best friends out. Best friends out. heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We're talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work.